0: Good morning, this is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada, Sunday, March the 20th, 2022, continuing with Jimmy Sexton in Dubai with our discussion about the great lessons from Charles Adams, that great tax historian in his book, For Good and Evil. And amazingly, there are 27 lessons in his book. We are now up to lesson 17, which reads, tax evasion is not always an evil. It has often been a safety valve against violence and rebellion. Wow. Again, tax evasion is not always an evil. It has often been a safety valve against violence and rebellion. Well, wow. evasion, violence, rebellion. What language? How are you today, Jimmy?
1: I'm fantastic, John. As always, look forward to these chats and especially about this lesson because I think it's such a good one.
0: Are you feeling rebellious today?
1: I feel rebellious every day.
0: <laughs> Violent. But, I mean, luckily, listen,
1: luckily I, I live in Dubai. so I don't have any taxes. You're safe. To be You're
0: safe. My God. <laughs> You're safe.
1: You know, we're, we're, such a, we're in such a, a peaceful society here. Um, because you know we're just not harassed by the tax man
0: probably true it's actually probably true
1: you know it's 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 funny I was I was walking I was was walking out of the post office today and I don't know why it occurred to me but it occurred to me that you know the the government you don't even really notice the government here in your day-to-day life like you don't even really think about it, right? Like it's not taxes, governments, like all of these things. I mean, other than the speed limit, uh, you just, the government has such a, a light touch and so low interference in your life that you don't even think about it. And when I contrast that to, to living in, you know, someplace in Europe or the United States, I mean, my God, the only thing you think about I mean, the government is omnipresent. I mean, whether it's taxes or other regulations, I mean, th- being compliant with a large regulatory environment is, is, is constantly on your mind.
0: Yeah. And, and actually, it reached the point where uh, there are only varying degrees of compliance. It's only possible to have varying degrees of impl- compliance, or yeah. compliance. Yeah.
1: There's no such thing as an A plus, right? <laughs> you get kind of get to an A minus if you're lucky.
0: A minus for an American abroad, I think it's almost, Uh, you know, I, I think, I think for most Americans abroad, at least it's so complicated that the most they can hope for is a pass. Yeah. And, you know, and even that's difficult, but, you know, it is interesting. And, you know, you made this comment a number of times in different contexts about how freeing it is for you to not have to worry about i think you said in one of our conversations i have to worry about putting this expense on this credit card or that credit card yeah i I don't have to keep receipts i don't need to be concerned about which account or what credit
1: card i pay something with um i mean it's just you don't even think about it
0: so really it's as though uh you know you're living the closest thing that one could imagine to really a form free life. Right.
1: Yeah. and I mean, look, if, if, you know, listen, if I, if I, if I need to, you know, if I pay something for somebody or or do something, I don't have to think about, you know, the gift tax implications of it or anything like that. You just, you don't even (laughs) think about this stuff.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, and it's not only, you know, sure it's great to not think about it because it's such unpleasant. Well, the thought of it, but it frees you to think about something that's actually productive
1: you know this is maybe maybe a little off topic, but you know and, and I, I think I've maybe mentioned this on a previous podcast I'm I'm not sure I don't think so, but I was having I was having lunch with a couple of of bankers uh, earlier in the week and you know, they were Swiss bankers. That, that One of them lives here in Dubai now. We were talking, you know, kind of about how freeing it is to not have to deal with this tax situation. And and, and it progressed a little bit, right? And we started talking about, you know, when you think about these, these great democratic societies that are all, you know, um, touted in, in the media as being, you know, better than, you know, the, the best type of... of sort of legal framework or type of government you know came we came to think about how much time each of us used to spend not only thinking about taxes but just thinking about politics and policy and all these things and discussing it with your friends and this and how you're going to vote and do all these different things and you really consumed a lot of brain power thinking about these things and you you open the news and every time it's just, just negative stuff and, you know, here in Dubai, we don't really have to think about it. We don't have to vote. We don't have a choice in the policy. You know, we, we have, you know, we have, we have good people that run the country and it frees up so much brain power to focus on your business and these wonderful podcasts that I do with you and other things that, you know, we're freed from so much of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's no question about it. And I you know, again, we know we've been at this a long time now. I may have mentioned this before, but a few years ago, I was having dinner with, um, you know, somebody who I consider to be, you know, a very, very high-end uh, U.S. tax uh, person mm-hmm. here in, in Toronto. And he said something interesting to me. He said, you know, we're talking about all the, you know, the very, very talented people uh, who, you know, who work in this area. And he said, you know, that's all true, but, Can you imagine what those people could have done with their lives if they hadn't, you know, gotten into this particular, I mean, what a waste of, what a waste of some of the the greatest brain power, right? You know, tax planning and, you know, this sort of stuff. I mean, what a, what an indefensible, horrible sort of charge or leech on society this whole thing has become. But, you know, the topic here talks about you know, frames it in terms of evasion, but, you know, we don't have a lot of evasion. We have avoidance. So, you know, evasion plays the role of ensuring, you know, there's no violence or insurrection, right? I think that's what's being said here. It's not always an evil, it's often been yeah. a safety valve against violence and rebellion. Now, on that.
1: I have a question for you on, on this. so. So so, this lesson says tax evasion is not always an evil. It has often been a safety valve against violence and rebellion. So basically what he's saying is, you know, when taxes have have become unbearable, that rather than than resorting to rebellion and violence, people would just evade it. And that was kind of like the pressure release valve, the safety valve Um, to keep keep society uh, at peace, and and that's how they managed you know, this this overbearing taxation. Now we've also said that you know we don't think there's massive evasion anymore, largely because you know they've done, done away with bank secrecy for the most part and all the automatic information exchange. So it seems to me, and tell me what your thoughts on this, that you know, when taxes became unbearable, the first step was evasion, right? And because of technology and information reporting and all this stuff, they've been able to, to, for the most part, stop out evasion. Right. So now we've moved on from evasion, right? And now we're into avoidance, legal tax avoidance, right?
0: Given that the government is going to see all the income and assets that I have, how do I best minimize taxation? Right. So avoidance, right?
1: Right. So now the pressure relief valve is legal tax avoidance, which the government, as we talked about last week or the week before, is doing their damnedest to re-characterize as evasion, right? They're, they're calling avoidance aggressive tax planning. They often, in, in a lot of articles you read and a lot of speeches from politicians, you hear them refer to evasion and avoidance as if it's the same thing, but it's not. They're trying to blur the lines. Pay your, like, fix- what? Pay your fix- what, what was that?
0: Well, this notion of pay your fair share. Yeah. Okay, well, your fair share is more than the law requires you to pay. Well, my, my question is
1: this. They've stopped out evasion. They're doing their damnedest to stop out, stop out avoidance. If they succeed at that, do we hit the rebellion and violence? Does all hell break loose? Well, this is my no, question.
0: I, I think there's a step before that. And this is what, you know, this is sort of, you know, my general view of this, is that the next stage will be, people will say, well, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to be really, really happy with very little income and very little in the way of assets. In other words, just figuring out a way, you know, to remove these things from your life and still still get most of the benefits of it.
1: So, If that happens on a a massive scale, um, then what we're looking at is a a giant contraction of the world's economy um, and GDP and, and tax revenues. So governments are gonna have to learn how to survive on the bare minimum too, because that's all they're gonna be getting from these people who are being happy with very little.
0: I don't think they're capable. Of, I don't think they're capable of that because you know they're not. They're not managing their own money. I mean, unless they want to keep the world in a perpetual state of war, uh, you know, and mm. then you know pay people to be part of that process or whatever. But you no, know, it's. I mean, you know, they have to understand that uh, there is a limit to how far they can go. And we you know we're living in a particularly difficult time. You know, we're coming off. Uh, you know you wouldn't remember the the eighties particularly well, but um, you know, so basically at the time both Reagan and Thatcher came to power, and then we had Gorbachev, who was sort of a liberal, right? Uh, you know what what was then the Soviet Union? I mean that was that was an era uh, and tax reform in the u s. that brought the rates down considerably and created other problems but brought the rates down. You know, that was an era of, uh, I think, pushback towards excessive collectivism. And the result of that, I mean, you know, these things go up and down. has been a society where there's an extreme, there are extreme distortions of wealth now. And that's what's allowed politicians to sort of get away with this, you know, pay your fair share of this idea that everybody's a presumptive tax evader, you know, this sort of stuff. And, you know, this will probably, itself out it's going to be a lot of years all right for sure before it plays itself out and then somebody will get the bright idea that oh my god it's necessary for people to be productive for there to be wealth in society
1: yeah so 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 so, so you, well so you think we'll avoid the violence and rebellion because it'll hopefully be cyclical and sort of correct itself before we get to that point
0: um It depends what you mean by violence. I think we're, I think that, well, I actually think that, you know, if you look at a lot of the way tax laws are moving, uh, you know, what I would call these fake income, right, these deemed income things, uh, I actually consider that to be a form of violence, uh, you know, against individuals.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I, mean, I think we need to look at it on that level. So, you know, if if you buy into the idea that, that is a form of violence, and I, and I think it is. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, we're, no, we're not avoiding the violence. I mean, are we gonna do avoid violence on the part of uh, individuals? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's less chance of that because it's, you know, the government's basically, I think pretty much monopolized the instruments of violence these days.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: But, uh, you know, I mean, it's not as simple as it probably was a couple hundred years ago, where all you needed was some guns and you could barricade yourself off. I mean, you know, we see all yeah. kinds of incidents in history where, the, you know, where people have attempted that and that hasn't happened. So so I don't know. But um, I think that there, I think there's definitely a sense that government is simply in people's faces too much. And I'm surprised it's taken this long to even get there. Yep. My first thought yep. You know, in the 80s when computers became, you know, really prevalent and that, I mean, I know for many people, they can't even imagine a world without them, but I do remember a world without this stuff. Uh, you know, my thought was, oh my God, I mean, you know, this is going to be a lot easier to collect information and stuff like that. I'm surprised it took as long as it did.
1: Yeah. I, I, I have another question for you. You know, going back to this thing that we, we've been talking about over the last few episodes about, you know, they're not really being much evasion anymore. It's, it's more legal tax avoidance now. The evasion's largely been stopped out. What, why do you think the government keeps harping on this massive uh, evasion? Uh, you think they just don't realize that they've stopped it out and they're just, you know, they, they don't realize how successful they've been?
0: I think it gets some votes. It's yeah. uh, you know more people in these modern democracies, these advanced democracies, you know, once people more people vote for a living than work for a living. Uh, you know, it's easy and and also a culture of envy, right? For you sure. know, it's very easy to, you know, create you know, hatred of people who have more than you do, or you know, or something like this. I mean, a lot of this stuff, frankly, I think I mean, I think it's the equivalent of hate speech. Yeah. You know this going after people because uh you know they happen to have uh, more than you do i mean they should be happy that i mean i do, I do not agree with the, the extent of the inequality okay i think it's 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 overboard but i think that you absolutely want inequality of outcome because that's the only thing i know that will allow people to see that they can change their circumstances
1: I, I could not agree with that statement more. I mean, that, that, that's something that, um, you know, I, I unpopularly <laughs> have said on many occasions that, Why is you that know, a listen. Is.
0: Isn't that just sort of a self-evident truth? Yeah, it's human nature. Equal is to make them equally poor. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. You know, largely the debate here is: uh, do we want everybody to be poor, or only some people to be poor? Now, if only some people are poor, at least there's somebody there to help the people who are poor. But if everybody <laughs> is poor, where do you go?
1: <laughs> ah, that is very true. That is very true. Well, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely trying to make. I mean, what the government's really trying to do is make everybody poor except the government, right? I mean, we're really, I mean, the real equality, in my opinion, is not a wealth equality between citizens. It's the equality, the real two classes of citizens is you have the citizens that work for the government, you have everybody else, right? I mean, that's where the real inequality
0: comes in, right? I mean, they get- I, I see it, yeah, you know, I, I phrase it, at least in the context of where I live in Canada, is the two classes are the people who have private pensions and the ones who don't. And interestingly, the ones with private pensions tend to be predominantly in government, you know, or, or universities, although they're working the thing out of the education system you know, I think newer people coming in are not getting these pensions. But I mean, I'll give you an example, somebody I know. So a good friend of mine, uh, you know, spent a lot of years, you know, building a business and did reasonably well on it. And, you and know, Eventually, eventually sold the thing and basically has enough, I think, for a reliable but modest retirement, okay. Uh, which is good in this world. Uh, his mother Never went to school a day in her life. That's just what you know what things were like then. Worked for the post office, right? Low-level clerical job. Nothing wrong with that. Not, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, people do what they do, and you know, I respect everybody who goes to work every day, you know, regardless of what they do. But, you know, not a highly skilled job, but came with a, an amazing pension. So now they're both retired. the, the pension from the post office dwarfs you know, sort of the return on capital from, you know, having, you know, spent all these years in this business. Yeah, for sure. And, and this isn't even, I mean, this just strikes me as, you know, I mean, is there a moral issue here?
1: No, for sure. I mean, look, I mean, when you when you look, when you look, I mean, I, I know the the United States system much better than the Canadian system, but look, I mean, in, in, the, in the United States, but you guys have universal health care, but look, in the United States, you not only get a, a government pension, but you also get health benefits. If you die, your spouse gets to keep the health benefits. And I think a big chunk of, of, of the pension, you get you know paid vacation, you get paid time off, you get uh, you never work overtime, you only do your 40 hours. I mean, it, and I think if you work a certain number of years, I think it's like twenty-five years or something. You know, you get to retire, right? And then you can go have a whole second career doing something else yeah, um, with all with all those pension benefits. With, and with yeah. All the benefits, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean, the real two classes of people are the ones that the work worked for the government, and the rest of us suckers. Well,
0: I, I think that. I mean, that's sort of the way I view it uh, from you know, perspective of living in Canada, you know, those who are pensioned and those who are not. And of course, then we have the question of you know, who dominates and frames the issues in the discussion about these things, right? And it's not you know, the guy with a small plumbing business who gets up at 5:30 in the morning, right? It's what I call the pensioned intellectuals, right? Yeah. You know, who work for government or you know, these universities etc. And this is a problem. It's it's yeah. actually an access problem. It's it's a problem of democracy, right? In the sense that, um, you know, I think that the, I mean, it's it's not as simple as this, okay? And I wouldn't say that that this is necessarily the dominant feature, but it is very very clear that a lot of these people who. Uh, you know, the recipients of these pensions also tend to have more opportunity, you know, to frame the, these issues, you know, in public discussion and that as well. And,
1: and, and they're ignorant of the issues that actually face the self-employed plumber, for example. They've never walked in issues. They've never seen the ebbs and flows of, of income of being self-employed. I mean, they, they're just, you know, they're governing... Well,
0: a certain number of people won't pay the guy after he's fixed it
1: exactly i mean the right, i mean as you've said so many times before right i mean you have you have people who are not tax experts uh, and don't understand the private economy at all regulating and taxing
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 a huge problem so you know the I don't know. I mean, if you cut down, if the opportunities for legitimate avoidance go, does that mean, you know, come, you know, looking at the lesson here that somehow people take matters into their own hands? And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna participate in violence today because uh, I can't avoid taxes. I don't know. I mean, what about this freedom? You know, somehow the idea of this this trucker's free, so-called freedom convoy. Uh, you know, in Canada recently. Is, is that an example of this that, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me it's related somehow. I mean, it's very, very clearly the result of, of government regulation interfering in people's ability to make a living, right?
1: I mean, not not exactly the same thing. I think the, but I mean, you also have the January 6th riots in the United States, right? I mean, the, there, if, if you want to say you know, if you and if you want to talk about the, the, the trucker thing, the trucker convoy, while it's not violence. I would argue that it is definitely an act of rebellion, right? I mean, and maybe maybe it's a progression that starts with with rebellion and ends in violence, right? When when the rebellions can no longer be be, be peaceful, when it reaches
0: a boiling point. Um, rebellion seems to me to be a request to be hurt. Right. At its core, yeah. right? people rebel, they're not being violent. They're just saying, you know, I want to be heard. Yeah. On this enough time. is enough. I want you to interact with me? And, you know, what was happening, of course, uh, here uh, is that the, uh, you know, the, the Trudeau government was saying, no, 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 you know, we're not going to listen to you at all. Yep. Yeah. So that's that. And that, that's what, you know, brought the thing out of control. I don't know. Is there a parallel to the January 6th thing? In the
1: US? No, I mean, I don't think the parallel was with the January 6th thing was was people wanting to be heard so much, right? I mean, that was just sort of they were pissed their president didn't win and and you know they decided to take to the streets. But I do think that it does show how high the tensions are, right? That 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 things are so polarized that that tensions are are, are so high that you know. In the United States of America, for God's sake, you know, you had guys standing in Capitol building with a with a fox hat on his head. I mean, you know, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, you know. So maybe, maybe we're maybe we're getting to a point where we're starting to see it. And and that that insurrection, if you want to call it, that was violent, right? So I mean, maybe we are moving into a timeline not directly related to taxation where, you know. There, there are just some very unhappy citizens, and there's more occurrences of, of rebellion and violence among them for various reasons.
0: Well, you would agree, I assume, that the tax avoidance is, uh, I think, an early warning indicator that there's something wrong with the tax system. Would you agree? For sure. Because, I mean, people should just not be thinking about this stuff, right? now. Just to shift shift slightly, uh, and we ought to make this a separate, you know, a separate podcast. But um, you know, I had a very interesting discussion this week with uh, a guy named Jim Bennett, who's very much a part of the Fair Tax Coalition, which is basically a, you know, a group of people who are advocating for a, you know, for a consumption-based tax and getting rid of income tax and stuff like that. And part of the appeal on that is that. Uh, you know, it just becomes a tax everybody pays. It's not political, particularly. Uh, so, I mean, how do you, how do you protest uh, or avoid something like that? You don't, right?
1: No. But, you know, the other thing that I would add is I, I don't even know that the high taxes in and of themselves um, is, is the big um, problem. I think the big problem is you're not getting value for your money, right? I mean, it's a very fundamental economics, right? You, you always want value for your money. I mean, if you look at countries like Finland and Sweden, and I mean, there's some countries in, in Europe that have very, very high taxes and they don't have massive avoidance or evasion. And I know people that live there and they go, listen, the taxes are ridiculous, but I have amazing infrastructure I have this great health insurance and this great. So they see the value that they're, 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 Well, I they see they're at least getting something. Well, it is not even just something, right? I mean, they're getting what they believe to be value, good value for their money. And I think the, the avoidance and the evasion becomes rampant when you're just not getting anything for your money. Basically, you're not getting fair value. And I think that, that is certainly true in the United States. You give very little in return. For, for what you pay.
0: Yeah, well, I think a second, I mean, you make a good point. I think a second point though is that, sure, you know, I'm not getting anything for the money, but there's also the ridiculousness, ridiculous unfairness of the system in terms of how it treats similarly situated people very, very differently. Sure, yes. You know, for example, the whole, you know, Americans abroad issue, you know, versus resident Americans. I mean, this is the type of stuff that definitely it definitely breeds a lot of discontent no question about it yeah absolutely but uh you know this can be changed only if uh you know only i think through involvement in the political process um, i don't actually see anything but that as as helping on this issue you know i think would you agree that these countries uh United States, Canada, Western, they need to modernize their tax systems also. For sure. I think that. I mean, look,
1: they they need to make it easy to comply with. They they need to make it fair amongst all citizens. And they need to give people value for their money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, on that note, Thanks for a great discussion on that. Always look, always a
1: pleasure, Sean.
0: We will, uh, we will pick it up. I wonder what Charles Charles Adams has done. I wonder what he would think if we were looking down from heaven at our podcast. What do you think he would think? Say, thank God, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's
1: great. You know that last point. You know, I used to. I, I I remember when I was when I was a when when I was a kid. Whenever we'd pass a Uh, a cemetery my dad would always go there's people with no problems and i think that charles i think that charles adams thinks that about our tax
0: code (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think that's definitely true definitely true all right oh and how would people get if they want people want jimmy sexton tax wisdom between now and the next podcast where would they get a hold of you esquiregroup.com that's great Thanks very much. Thank you.